0: You're listening to Sermons from Christ the Savior Orthodox Church. We're a small but growing mission of the Orthodox Church in America, currently meeting in Brewer, Maine. We'd love to have you join us for service, but until then, here's Father Scott with this week's sermon. Glory to thee, O Lord, glory to Thee. Let us attend. At that time Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee, <coughs> as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is eternal life For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those who thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. At that time when Jesus had risen from the dead, he stood in the midst of his disciples, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And they were terrified and affrighted and suppose that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that is I myself, handle me and see. For a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not, for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of honeycomb, and he took it, and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you, while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the Law of Moses, and in the Prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the Scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany and lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he yet blessed them and was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And there were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Holy to holy to thee. Please be seated. So today we celebrate the Ecumenical Council's first teachers and fathers, the Holy Church, and it's also a little bit of, still a feast of ascension, although the after feast ended yesterday. But today we want to talk about a discussion, I think, which would honor the fathers, because when they gathered together there in Nicaea in 325, shortly after Christianity became something which you could practice openly and not in the tombs anymore, they wrote the creed together, and they all unanimously assented to this they wrote there and it spoke about the Lord Jesus saying according to the scriptures he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father and he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end and so today think about that kingdom of God and how it will appear ascension celebrates the completion of the recreation of man and the restoration of full communion between God and man, which was broken at Adam's fall. But it was renewed through Jesus Christ, who came as fully God, and most importantly to us today, fully man. And he came and takes our human nature at ascension and elevates it into the very presence of the fullness of divinity. Sitting at the throne, as it were, it's not a physical throne, but it's a place where divinity resides in its fullness. And there he did take us and our nature. His fully man ascended into that divine place, opening the eternal kingdom for us and for all men. And so it's now that we can look forward to eternal life in communion with God, body and soul, resurrected body and soul, eternal life with God. This is what salvation is in its fullness. And this is what God accomplished, fully finished, done at ascension. It's a miracle what God did. Our destiny is, therefore, to be present with God in the same fullness with which he arose, both soul and body, at the last day. There's a time on this, and that day comes when Christ raises the dead and joins the living to them, to be lifted up into the clouds, as he was that day. In the same way, shall we rise at that same moment. He'll separate the sheep from the goats, the sinners from the saved, some to go into eternal life in paradise, in that divine place where Christ ascended, and some to suffer torments for eternity for their sin. This is the fullness of salvation that we look forward to that day. This is what confused the apostles that day. And so we wait for salvation in its fullness. We wait for our horizon. We wait for our resurrection. In our epistles today, the apostles started off in the book of Acts and asked this question. The Lord risen stood in front of them and he asked them to look at him. And as they looked, they said that this question, it's a very important question, and it relates to our verse in the creed that we read, and it relates to God's ascension, and it relates to your resurrection. They said, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They showed a lack of total understanding, an understanding today which we can enjoy in its fullness. They thought that the kingdom was going to be still a physical kingdom, that there was going to be a man that came, it was the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, to restore the physical kingdom of Israel, that it existed at its height under David. They were blind to the reality that Israel is the church, the believers that have God in their heart, and that are circumcised in the heart, not just in the flesh. They missed that truth that Israel is the church, those who would safely be saved and believe on Christ. But they also missed something else. Imagine them sitting there, having watched the resurrection of Christ and seeing him rise. That was a great miracle, which it says that they didn't understand beforehand. And we saw in one of our previous sermons that they sat in fear after he was put in the tomb. Not believing that he would rise from the dead. Well, here we sit with them in that room that day, looking at the risen Christ, but having no, absolutely no conception of the Things that awaited God in just a few minutes when He was departed from them and risen in the clouds. They had no sense of the ascension of flesh, glorified flesh, merged with a soul, ascending into the clouds to be with God. They were totally blown away by the resurrection, let alone the idea that God would ascend into heaven. And so we sit in that moment between the revelation of the resurrected Christ. And the fullness of our salvation, which is the ascension into heaven. God showed him shortly that the ascension is also something to think about when you think about the rising from the dead. It's not just rising, it's ascending. God's plan is not that salvation be for this world. It's not a kingdom that's earthly. It's a heavenly, eternal kingdom of which, as it says in the creed, there is no end. There's no interruption. When God's kingdom comes in its fullness, it's there forever. It's solid. You can count on it. Your salvation is there in its fullness. It starts here, but its fullness is there. The rising, the ascension, the body and soul. And so the Lord answers them in their bewilderment, knowing what was to come. And imagine, he smiled secretly inside. It's not over yet. You haven't seen anything yet. And he says to him, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Truly, their restoration, this full restoration that we speak of, this ascension of ourselves into heaven, is a hidden thing. It's not totally revealed as to what the hour and the time is for the second coming of Christ. But there's signs. We see them in Daniel. We see them in the book of Revelation. And we see them in many other places. There's signs of the times, but they're hidden. We don't know the exact time. These things are still somewhat dark for us. But the Lord says to encourage them. He says, don't just focus on the end times, but know this, that I'm going to send power upon you. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and he's going to enable you to be a witness to me so that you can spread the truths of the power of this kingdom, which is still a mystery to you, throughout the whole world. Through my power, it's interesting that the Spirit descends as the body of Christ leaves. God gives us power when He leaves with His direct presence at the same time. And while He's spoken these things, what well, says here shortly that while they beheld that very moment, He was taken up with a cloud in a cloud and received up out of their sight, taken up in a, in a cloud. The first fruits of them that slept. What God has done with the ascension is showed you your future. He showed you that someday you're going to follow the Lord, that where He is, there might thy servant be also. Yes. This is the wonder of the ascension, the wonder of the fullness of the resurrection of the dead, which is going to occur in the future. They steadfastly look at it, up at it, imagine the awe in which they saw their Lord. It was an, it was amazing that he'd been resurrected, but now he goes up into heaven. They didn't realize that, that was the destiny at that moment. That is our destiny: that we are going to follow him, that where he is, there we might be also. Well, while they stood there in amazement, the angels came and they said, "The same Jesus, which is taken from you into heaven, so shall come in like manner as you have seen him go." into heaven. He's going to come again. There's a day that we await. And this is pointing back to the Apostle's question about when the kingdom is. The angels are giving him a little bit of a hint here. That the fullness, the restoration of that kingdom for Israel, which is the believers, not the nation of Israel, shall occur at a time when he comes back same way you saw him go. And like manner. you're going to see him go into heaven now today. He's going to come back in like manner. And when he does, that's when the restoration of the kingdom will come. So we ask today, we sit here, and we ask, thinking like they did, when's the restoration? When's this day that we look for? When's the day that we ascend? When's the day when all those that are in the graves ascend? When's the day that the living will ascend? When is the day that the fullness of the rising from the dead for you and I occurs? This is the question. Today, this is a question that has a great many answers. Most of them are false out there in the world. There's so many false doctrines revolving around the second coming of Christ and your rising from the dead. There's so many things of confusion that have been spread by Protestant sects, by evangelicals, by people that are heretics, they're sectarians, they're schismatics. They're gaining, like Paul was written in our epistle today, they're trying to sweep men into their, their way by bad doctrine. The doctrine of the second coming of Christ is crucial to your faith.
1: And we're going to read from a
0: passage in Thessalonians, which was, which was read by our reader, about the second coming when it occurs. And I will say this, I'll preface my remarks by saying this. I used to think that worrying about the end times and what doctrines were out there swirling around didn't really matter. I've learned better. All false doctrine is demonic. And designed to ruin your salvation and your opportunity to ascend like Christ did. There's no false doctrine which is innocuous. They're all dangerous. And the danger, as we're going to see in our passage in Thessalonians, of the false doctrines regarding the catching away of Christians before there's a period of tribulation, is this, that Christians don't suffer. That's a lie from the pits of hell. God doesn't pour wrath out on Christians, but God allows Christians to suffer. And as we've talked much in the season in the last few weeks about suffering, this is the lot of all of us at some point or another. And to avoid the reality of suffering, particularly regarding the second coming of Christ, the demonic doctrine. So the idea that Christians are swept up before there's judgment upon the world and that we don't suffer, as we'll see, is not of God. And so I say that with all love and respect to those that might believe otherwise, but I say it as a warning. And so it is written by the Apostle Paul. The following words. And I want you to understand something about this passage out of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. That the reader read last. It's one sentence. It's one grammatical statement. It's one continuous statement that weaves right through the truths of the second coming of Christ. When you will arise. And those that are alive will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the cloud, And thus will we shall ever shall be. It says that we ourselves glory, the apostles write in this, in you and the churches of God, for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. That's how he starts off talking about the second. You're enduring today, he said. In Thessalonians, you're enduring afflictions, persecutions, tribulations. But then he says this, he says, This suffering that you endure is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye who are suffering might be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which also you suffer. You see, God ties our suffering
1: to his glory,
0: as we spoke about just last week, and he ties it to his second coming. He ties suffering to the believer, to life in this world, but also to life which shows forth God's kingdom. And so he continues and says that it's a righteous thing. Suffering. It's an honor. It's an opportunity to prove your love for God and to be strengthened in your faith. It's not something which is to be avoided, necessarily, but rather something which is the fact of life. And so he says it's a righteous thing for God to recompense tribulation upon those that tribble you. It may not be in this world that they'll get their tribulation coming back to them, but it will occur. God promises that. And he says this. And this is the key statement about, I think that it puts to rest this idea that there's many comings of Christ. There's one coming. The creed says He's coming again. Period. Not his comings again. It says this here. And to you who are troubled, to you Thessalonians and your like, throughout the history of the church that are troubled, with persecution, with tribulations. He says, to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired of all them that believe in that day. You see, there's not five comings or three comings. There's no earthly kingdom of Christ that we're looking for. We're looking for the great kingdom. We're not settling for an earthly kingdom, and neither is he. He's God. His kingdom is everlasting. It's not of this world. It's not Israel, the nation. It's Israel, the believer. It's Israel that will be swept up in that day that believes. At the same time that rest comes, the flaming fire comes in judgment upon those who believe not. There's no separation. There's no distinction. There's no, like, believers go up here, then the earth suffers, and then Jesus comes back, and then he has an earthly kingdom for a thousand years, and then he comes again a third time. That's nonsense, but it's dangerous nonsense. Because it enables people to start to believe that there's no Need to worry about suffering. The carrying your cross like Jesus did is something that's kind of passe. But rather, we're just just destined to live a prosperous, happy life in this world. It's almost like that's our salvation. Settling for so much less than God has for us. We might be counted worthy to suffer. It's an honor. It's a blessing. But we may not feel that way at the time. But we need to endure it when it comes. And we need to know that our relief. Is in heaven it's not in this world he comes with his Saints he comes in the clouds he comes and receives as the Apostle Paul said in another place his own it says this in the chapter right before this in 1st Thessalonians for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain that are alive at that time shall be caught up together with him in the air to meet the Lord, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That meeting in the clouds is a one time meeting. Everybody that's alive at that time will go up. Everybody that's in the graves will be risen. The sheep will be separated from the goats. And Jesus Christ's kingdom will come in its fullness for all of us. We will rise just like he did. There's an ascension that we look forward to. There really is. It's a miracle. It's something that was at the moment when the apostles saw the Lord ascend was so far beyond their thinking. God's revealed to himself, himself rather, through the ascension to us so we can understand this is our law. He took humanity. He took your nature. He took my nature, glorified it, and moved it into the heavenly places. And that's where we're going to be forever if we believe. And I would say if we heed his admonition that suffering is for our glory and his glory And also for our purification. God's design is not for us to be saved. For life in this world. And so it was that when the Lord rose. He didn't stick around. He went back up to his kingdom. His real kingdom. His fullness of his kingdom. To await that day. When he comes again in the clouds. And at that point. We will follow him. The way he went. We will come to his presence. With thanksgiving at that time. And truly joy in our eternal destiny. Uniting again with the Lord fully, body and spirit and soul together, we will be in his glorious presence forever. This is the truth of the timing of the question that the apostles asked. When we restore the kingdom, of God, the restoration is not in this world. The restoration is one time. The restoration comes in its fullness, and it comes with the fullness of rising from the dead in a body that will be glorified and be with God forever. May the Lord bless us, hold fast with the truths that the blessed fathers and the councils gave us. That there is one time when Jesus comes. And when he comes, he comes in his glory. Might we be ready? Might we be willing to hold to the faith fast no matter what comes? And so, as it says in Matthew 25, we might endure to the end if we do indeed come to his fast. That we be in that time when the Lord is going to come back. May God bless each and every one. we look forward to the fullness of our ascension in the, name of the Father and the Son the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can listen to more sermons and learn more about us by visiting our website at orthodoxmaine.org Thank you for listening and until next time, God be with you.